genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one um, very confusing uh, transition scene at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. Um, Today we're talking about Minute 141, which starts with Grand uh, hitting the gate like a good boy. Um, And it ends with a wide shot of Minas Tirith um, as... Denethor leads his uh, funeral procession. It's, it's funer- funerary comp- squad. I don't know. <laughs> funerary squad. Right. Funeral funeral procession. Yeah. But it's not his funeral. Uh, his, I mean, uh, dialogue, it will be, I mean, but <laughs> his dialogue, though, he does. I don't, he intends to go die too. I think. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Obviously. Um, okay. The steward of the house of Anarion. So, let's talk about Grand, I guess. I like the little um, shower of sparks with the fire when his nose hits the gate. Yeah, the metal on metal. So they yeah, the sparks. sparks. I um, you know, slowing it down, it looks fake, but like watching it for you know a literal second, it looks good. Right, Grand is in uh, literally the first two seconds of the minute. Mm-hmm. There's a little smash against the gate. We get Gandalf riding down towards the gate with some dudes. Have we talked about um the Gondorian like tower shield? Are are those technically tower shields? I I think so. I like them. They're they're curved and they have the tree of Gondor on them. Yeah, silver on black. Yeah, it's they uh they look really good, really classic. Yeah, which is the like that's the whole point of how Gondor looks. It's very classical fairy tale knight in shining armor. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I guess they're technically not tower shields because they don't go all the way down, but like... They're pretty big. They are pretty big. They're, they're pretty large shields. They're definitely the kind of shield you would build a phalanx with. Yes. Yeah. And then there's just this white horse riding among all these dudes. Of course. Gandalf doing his best. Mm-hmm. Shadowfax doing better. <laughs> Shadowfax always on top of his game. <laughs> there are a lot of dudes here. Minas Tirith's a big place. I like the overhead shot. Um, I guess it's Pippin's point of view, looking down yeah, at everything the, going on. Yeah, from the edge of the courtyard. Um, so, okay. I guess we should talk about this um, procession. So the first thing, because I, I, had, I had to go back and look, is that Faramir is in a different set of clothes. Right, which means that somebody dressed him. Yes. Somebody prepared his body mm-hmm. for this funeral. Yep. Nobody tried to stop this from happening? Uh, if they did, they probably got brushed up, just like Pippin did. Um, Sir, sir, your son is alive. No. That's just, impossible. No. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Nobody, like, okay, there are six guards carrying him. There are four lackeys bringing up the the rear which i love because i love the very uncertain like um are we gonna die too looks you, <laughs> you know like yeah 30 seconds in oh my god i love these extras just look at each other like uh is he losing it because he's just said 
Uh, I was steward of the house of Anarian. Right. My watch has ended, basically. Like, he's, he's talking about dying. Right. Do they know what's about to happen? Um, they're sanctioning this. Right. They're complicit. If uh, they're, like, on his council, like, I don't know. I love the... I think these are, uh, these are religious folk. Oh, are they? I think so. That's, that's the vibe I get. Prepare, like, the funeral rites and stuff. Yeah. These are, these are folk for... I don't feel like, things. I don't think that they would be bringing up this procession, though, if they weren't, um, like, heads of, of, of state or something like that. I think most of the people that are important in Gondor are military are also like military leaders. So I would imagine that most of them are out fighting. These are there's six guards here and then four other dudes with torches. Yeah. Plus the guards of the tree. But they don't move. Yeah, they don't they don't do nothing except stand around that tree. Yeah. There's one, two, three, four of them. Mm-hmm. This is a very sacred duty. So um I like the guards of Buckingham Palace. Yes. They're yeah. not allowed to react to anything. Right. I, yeah, dude, I love I love these four dudes in the back. Just like, oh my god, what is happening? Is Denethor crazy? Are we gonna die? Are we all gonna get sealed in a tomb together right? or something? Right? That's why I think they're um, on his council. I don't know. I've, I've always gotten the vibe that these guys are like friars or something similar. They're in their, their simple robes with their, but, like, their tied belts. There isn't... um. There isn't like a an explicit religion in Gondor. Like they believe in the creator deity, right? Yeah, I mean, the the descendants of Numenor would worship the Valar, I suppose. That's true, but they don't have like. It's never. It's it's not anything that's like touched on super explicitly. Uh, to begin with. It, to begin with, yeah, yeah. As far as what religious ceremonies there would be in some of these. So these that's cultures. why I'm thinking that these are politicians. Or, like, um, council members instead mm. of, um, like, a priest or something. I guess I just associate that with, like, funeral rites. Yeah. Someone, Someone's going to go read those rites. But if, like, if they believe that they go to um, Valinor anyway. Right. Like, regardless of, of whether or not their their soul is prepared or you you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't know it's it's just one of those things i've always associated these four just black robe dudes yeah. as cuz we see some guys in black um when pippin is being sworn in and like when he's singing his little song yeah but i don't recognize any of these guys no these all look, these, these just look like four other extras yeah i love extras doing their job in the background. It's the best. Right, just doing their own thing. Being part of the scenery. Yep. So I um I have a question about the um layout, I guess, of Minas Tirith. Mm. Um specifically Yes, because of this cut. I thought that like the um like catwalk, I guess, or whatever that Denethor runs off of is in this courtyard, like attached to this courtyard. Yeah, the one that he runs off of at the end of his life. Yes. Yeah, it's at the edge of this courtyard. Okay, so what the heck? He ran a long he, ways. What? Nobody stopped to put him out? Like no. he didn't stop, drop, and roll. No, like, come on, ran. man. 
What the heck? Doesn't that make it even crazier? That doesn't make any sense. But I mean that that's us getting way ahead of ourselves. No, I but know, yeah. but like this is the prelude to that. So like yeah. that doesn't make any freaking sense. He ran a long ways. Like a mile. He just he ran so far. What the hell? Cause um, like they cross a bridge. Yeah. Into this um yeah, they go down some they they're on like the like they're like two levels down. Yep. Just don't think about it too hard. I am thinking about it too hard. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. I know. Uh also, the tree is flowering. Yes, it is. Because Aragorn is getting closer. Right? It senses him. Its king senses are tingling? Yes. It senses royalty. <laughs> Bees can sense royalty. That's why they pollinated the flower. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh my god. But it's blooming as he's finally just, like making his way to Gondor. Yeah. So it's not just like a symbol in the scene that there's still hope. It's also the world, like a thing in Gondor changing because Aragorn is coming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the, um, one of those subtly magical things in the world. Right. This tree knows this tree. Well, cause it's, um, it's from, isn't it a piece from Valinor? It's a clipping of a tree that was, seated as a clipping of a tree from Valinor, I believe. Okay. It's a clipping of a clipping. Okay. Or like a, a like a sapling made from a sapling that was made from one the the silver tree which is um oh damn. <laughs> one of them is Telperion. That might be the gold one. I don't remember what they both are named. One of them is Telperion. I could not tell you. I cannot remember the other one's name for the life of me. That's fine. Not without looking. Um But yeah, so we get the we get this one little flower. Yep. On the, the tree of Gondor. It looks kind of like a rose. Just yeah, vaguely. I like it. Just this nice little white flower. Boop. I um I like this little uh it hardly counts as a monologue. Um the voiceover. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm steward of the house of Anarian, thus I have walked, and thus now I will sleep. Right. He's talking about dying. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm I feel like the four guys at the back are his council, or like the only four that stuck around. Um, or the only four who like haven't figured out that he's crazy yet. And they're just like, Wait, what is he talking about? <laughs> Excuse me, sir? Yeah, I think okay, aside from going up like three flights of stairs and running through the courtyard later um i think the thing that breaks this minute for me is is the faramir thing like people literally prepared his body Mm -hmm. to be interred in a tomb no 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 not interred because i think earlier doesn't denethor specifically ask for a funeral pyre oh yeah okay so they literally prepared his body for burning to to be you know sent up wherever it goes and nobody like stopped to heal him like nobody nobody noticed he was breathing like right what would so here's something interesting as far as the the valinor connection goes that i've I've just now thought of 
So Boromir was set on a boat and set to river. Yeah. Uh, so, and so his body was returned to, his body was sent to the ocean and across the ocean is Valinor. So right. they sent. Like symbolically. Right. Like Boromir was symbolically sent on a ship into the West or whatever, because he would have gone into the ocean and then gone. Mm-hmm. So this is, if you want to compare this to that in like a, um, I guess in a religious context, as far as in universe, the idea that Denethor would instead burn Faramir's body rather than send him to the West like his brother was is also like a perversion. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what are you saying? That this Denethor is, that the burning of Faramir in this way when compared to how Boromir was sent off, even though it wasn't done by the same people or whatever. Yeah. Just the the difference between these two acts is almost like a removal of Faramir from the afterlife. Boromir was <gasps> shut, shut up. That's so mean. That Boromir was Oh given. my God. I gotta be mean to Faramir. I have to. Why? He's, he's suffered enough. Because I do that every time. He has suffered enough. Literally. I gotta make everyone, I got every time I gotta shut. just twist the knife a little more. No, you don't. <laughs> comes to Faramir. It's Monday. It's always a Monday. It's. <laughs> Malign Faramir Monday. Yeah. Oh my always. God. When it comes to Faramir's relationship to this story, I just always have to twist the knife. No! Because I just I just recognize, I just see these things. I'm like, wow, this just struck me as being like a really interesting difference between what's like the end of both of their lives because Boromir was set to see. But why would Denethor also condemn himself to that fate? Uh, Denethor is Bo- like cause... a egotist. Egoist. <sighs> but Denethor is also like a depressed, grieving... Narcissist. lost soul of a man who sees no value left in his own life and it's just driving him crazy to feel so helpless and worthless like that's the thing that's like it continues to push him over the edge and then when everything is lost he's just going to remove himself and his son from the world with everything in his power that he can so that there's yeah. nothing left of them and they'll and probably some some narcissistic need to be remembered in some way but at the same time, but I think way- Denethor feels that there is no remembering what's going to happen here. This is just all going to be wiped off the face right, of the Lord. Right, yeah, like, who's going to be left to remember him the so way he's thinking? So it's just... So I don't even know if there's, like, a narcissism there or if it's just... Desperation. This desperate need to feel... This desperate need to be separated from this world after how terrible it's been to him and his mind. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that's really the motivation is just this desperate need to be separated from the terrible fate he sees here. I guess. Uh, Because, I mean, Denethor's had his brain just scrambled by Sauron's vision or Sauron or the Witch King or whoever. The the influence of the Palantir and seeing just this horrible fate coming, this terrible, this this wave of, of doom just for who knows how long he's been staring into the Palantir and just seeing the end of Gondor. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years, probably at least. Well, I, um, to like, I don't know, make the mood a little better, I guess. <laughs> um, compare like when you compare that to like what Frodo is doing right now. Yeah. Like, I think that just, proves um frodo's like 
mental and um, like spiritual almost like resilience to this influence because like it's not coming through um, the Palantir. It's coming through like a piece of Sauron directly. Right. Like it hasn't been tempered in any way, I guess, by the Palantir. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so I think the, the influence of Sauron on Denethor, uh, much like the influence of the ring on Frodo and others, is that there has to be something there for it to manipulate. Yeah. So, and because of how magnified Denethor's pessimism and grief gets across this movie, he must have already felt hope, hopeless and powerless before this yeah. in the face of, of uh, Mordor. And Sauron has just seized on that to press it further and further Well, I don't further. even know that it would... And then the death of Boromir made it worse. I don't even know that it would be, like, in the face of Mordor specifically. Like, yeah, they've been in the shadow of Mordor for, like, what, a long time? You know? Yeah. For the entirety of his life. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they're, like, literally right there. But I think, like, maybe this all started when he, like, lost his wife. Like, when his wife died. Yeah. I mean, that's why... That's why he takes stuff out on Faramir. Right, yeah. It's not his fault, though. It's not no, like she... it's not. She didn't die in childbirth. We, like, looked it up. Right. But Faramir looks like her. Whatever! He takes it out on him. It's awful! It is awful. It is. But I, I think it's just... It's just been a long, slow decline for yeah. Denethor. Yeah, Just made worse by the Palantir until the point where... He's he's at a point of no return where he he can't come back from this this madness now that he's taken that last step over the line. Yeah, uh, seeing Faramir dead. I just question like mark because um I guess a while ago now there was like quote unquote discourse about like um how much Frodo actually like contributes to this story as a whole. Mm. And like, you know, it's it's meant in, in as a joke because like Frodo, I think Frodo is supposed to be an unlikely hero to begin with. He's, like Yeah, he's like the unlikely yeah. hero. Um but I think there's a lot the reason I like Frodo and why Frodo is so important, I think, is because there's a lot more going on behind the scenes with him, like mentally, right. um, emotionally, spiritually, than um I think a lot of people give the character credit for right i mean and ultimately uh like he's not like a badass but like no and, and ultimately frodo succeeds uh in part because of luck yeah like frodo and sam are lucky that they were able to survive they outlast the things happening around them they don't they don't uh they don't overcome them in the way that other people overcome different stuff in the story. But I wouldn't like chalk that up entirely to luck. Like, yeah, luck plays a part of it, but like, I mean, Frodo's lucky. He didn't fall in the fire with Gollum. Yeah, I guess. He's lucky. He didn't just go off the edge of Kirith Ungle. Right. Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Galadriel had his back, I guess. Yeah. If she can, like, physically manipulate him into, like, stand, like, getting to his feet like that, I'm pretty sure she would have been like, whoop, nope, don't do that. Right. She she pushed him so she love stung him in just the right place that he wasn't going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Maybe. But, 
yeah so i there's a there's a lot of luck involved in in frodo and sam's quest as far as uh like who they run into and how situations kind of resolve themselves and well, I mean, it's not luck because it's like they were literally lucky. a story. They're lucky to be found by the eagles. It's not luck, dude. It's literally a story. But like, well, yeah, metatextually, yeah, yeah. But like in in world, a lot of their story is like happenstance that they they manage to survive some things. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there there is part of it, but I don't think it's like I said. I don't think the whole thing should be considered luck. No, but I. But I think that there's, um, I think that there's luck playing a part in their survival, in part because of Tolkien's experience in World War One. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, it. I, I think that, that that's part of why Frodo and Sam, being like relatively normal people, they outlast this stuff. They never uh, like overpower their foes. They outlast them, and they're lucky to do so. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to how those characters are written from Tolkien's perspective. Mm. As a you know, as a survivor of one of the worst conflicts uh, in modern history, yeah, because World War One was full of uh, really awful battlefields. Yeah, yeah, and we've talked about that before. Yeah, so I, I think it's I, I think you can't downplay the way that luck is kind of written into their narrative mm. because it's in, it's important to be like it, it doesn't just take like strength and and guts and endurance to make it through something like this if luck's not on your side you you'll never make it anybody can you know it it, whether or not you survive is in large part up to what happens around you uh, things outside your control yeah and the fact that frodo and sam survive is like supposed to be i don't know i guess uh, it's supposed to be joyous just in the fact that they survived when it looked like they couldn't yeah but I also like that it's not like conventional strength. Right. Frodo's Frodo's strength and Sam's strength is almost entirely spiritual. Yeah. It's it's the and Mary's and Pippin's too. Like yeah. Hobbits are just tough on the inside and not in a physical way. They just they can just, you know, take a whole lot and keep on going. Right. Just those plucky halflings. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's just something I wanted to bring up in regards to like, because we just spent so much time with Frodo. Yeah. So I don't know. It's on my brain. It wasn't, it was better than like (laughs) Faramir's father trying to scrub him spiritually from the afterlife. And himself. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I guess you're welcome. Oh my God. I just thought it was just complete. An utter annihilation. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting, an interesting. Um, Here you go. Here's this fun tidbit. An, right, just like an interesting <laughs> comparison between Boromir and Faramir to bring up. Yeah, well, that's because um, Aragorn took care of. Right. That also might be a difference because, like, I mean the 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 people of Rohan believe um, in um. Valar the Valar too right like or I would, I would are they a little so. more removed from it but they're also a landlocked culture yeah yeah so they um they bury their dead but I wonder if like the elves I mean when an elf dies they just like send them up the river because like Aragorn and Legolas are the ones that like took care of Boromir's body right and like put him in the boat so yeah it would have been Legolas Gimli and, and Aragorn 
were the ones that were there to do that. Yeah. I imagine dwarves would also bury their dead. Oh, yeah. 100%. They live underground. Yeah. They're returning them to, like, you know, the thing they were made from. from that makes earth, sense to me. From the earth you, you came. Yeah. To the earth you will return. But I wonder if that's, like, an elvish thing. The sending them on the, sending them on the water? Yeah. That makes sense. I, I vibe with that. Yeah. I don't know what um, Gondor does, but... No, I mean... We see what Gondor does. They in, they entomb them because they have all the um the the tombs, right? Of the kings. I think so. Yeah, there yeah. Are other they're like literally in a tomb when he's like. Right. But Denethor's like, no, nah, we're gonna burn. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. It's a much more violent end. That's that's for sure. Right. Anyway. Denethor. Happy Monday, I guess. Happy Happy Monday. Oh my god, <laughs> such a downer. Yeah. <laughs> this is supposed to be a lighthearted podcast. I just, you know, <laughs> Boromir, Boromir died in water. Faramir is set is to die in fire. Yeah. Oh, gosh darn it! It also, I mean, is representative. Also, like, could be representative of their their lives in general. Faramir's life is like more on the edge of danger, being a being a ranger in the woods, constantly on the border of Mordor. And Boromir has always been able to go with the flow of Gondor and just go where his life leads him rather than, you know, carving his own path. No, I don't think so. I think he, I feel like Boromir, more than Faramir, feels a duty to, not not just to his father, but to, like, his people. Mm. So I, I would say the opposite, actually, if we're talking about, like, fire and water. See, but I feel like that choice was... Um... Uh, Bormir's duty to me, and one of the things that makes it feel um, feel like a noble trait of Bormir is that it was it's it's a choice of his. He's still in control of himself because he he doesn't always agree with Denethor, but he still does what he believes is right for Gondor. But I mean, like this doesn't happen in the book, but in the movie we get that flashback with denethor telling boromir to like go check out what's happening with the elves right because he, he doesn't trust Faramir. he doesn't have a he doesn't have a choice with that yeah he has to do what the steward says just because the steward's his father like he might get a little like pass but like you know he has a duty to his his ruler and and his people yeah I mean, we could talk forever about Boromir. We do. Anyway. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what the people listen for, right? Right. Boromir. <laughs> I love that we're still talking about Boromir. Right. Like, you know. Over halfway through the third movie. Yeah. I mean, because Denethor's grief is like directly tied into what happens to Boromir. So right. it's relevant. You're going to explain this? Right. Holding up the cracked horn. Oh, God. Um, anyway, <laughs> so before we like devolve back into like being sad about Faramir, yeah. um, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Uh, check us out there if you haven't already. Um, you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, you can access that through duelinggenre.com slash support. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can, um, get access to, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the Minute, which is the silliest uh, podcast I think I'm on. Um, it's a lot of fun. Talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world one minute at a time. And stuff. And stuff. <laughs> Mostly stuff. 
That's the important part. Yeah. But we actually just talked about, like, my most quoted minute from that movie. Mm. Milk and eggs, bitch. <laughs> Gelato's not vegan? Gelato isn't vegan? But yeah, Chicken if, isn't vegan? If you, <laughs> if you are a fan of that movie and you haven't listened to that yet, um, go ahead and check that out. It's a dollar. You'll thank us. I hope. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And we'll be back tomorrow to um, talk more about whatever the hell this is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.